Hey everybody, welcome to the Climbing Sycamores podcast, uh, where we look at today's topics to get a better view of Christianity. I'm Annie Beagie, and I'm joined by my friends Ben Sadler and Matt Harbach. Hello, welcome back. Annie is not here, so I had to say hello, and it already feels so weird. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the thing that Annie was most concerned about actually happened. She's like, I don't want to get sick before Christmas. So Better than being sick on Christmas. Yeah, so hopefully she bounces back. But it's going to be less fun, I think, without her. She usually brings the fun. Yeah. And both of us are we're we're old 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 souls. Correct. <laughs> but uh yeah, we still want to record and keep keep up this habit and we had some thoughts that we wanted to discuss. So hopefully this is helpful to people. Mm-hmm. So are you staying healthy, Matt? I'm this is this is weird because I like I'm letting my, it's the end of the semester, so I'm kind of letting myself go. Because it's in, it's in, purely self-discipline that keeps me on a somewhat normal healthy routine yeah but now it's like screw it there's like 10 days left it's gonna be energy drinks and delirium for the next like couple days so you're saying usually you're self-disciplined but now you're letting it go (laughs) it's kind of (laughs) shocking okay yeah so before was self-discipline before like i yeah like okay i I got you. I'm very impulse driven. I only yeah. ever do what is comfortable at the moment. Okay. So like to have any shred of routine in my life takes like yeah. a measure of, 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 you know, conscious effort. Um, and uh, yeah, but that, all that being said, like I thought I was going to get sick after Christmas, but I was like, nope, bunch of people in my family got sick. Bunch of people around here got sick. I'm immune. Yeah. You. Because of your healthy living, because those energy drinks. Yeah, like, well, you should see how many things are in there. <laughs> Just you packed can't with pronounce so many things. Yeah, you can't pronounce. They're all things to preserve your life. Oh man. Well, we got two topics to talk about. Should I go first? Uh, yeah, sure. Okay, keep up our pattern. Um, I'll be. We're doing a sermon series on Christmas list, and Pastor Bill came up with this on things that you really can't buy in the store but that they're deep down desires and needs that we have. Um, and so we've talked about hope and Pastor Bill's working on joy and uh, whatever I just preached on. And then, uh, and then now I'll be talking about peace. And so, uh, oh, I, talk, I preach on belonging. That's what it was. Yep. Which I thought was an okay sermon. On the four women and figuring out how they belong. Yeah, was did someone not think? That? No, I just thought got some, got some clapback. No, that. I didn't. I just it was when I got the genealogy of Jesus. I didn't know how this was going to yeah. work, but then after studying it, it, it really did. It Wait, was so it was you, good for me. Did you was it uh, predetermined that you would preach on the ge- genealogy before? It was. Yeah, th- that was the text oh. that Pastor Bill picked. And it was just kind of, oh, there's some questionable people in this genealogy, yeah. but so I, but I still didn't know how that was going to all play out. Yeah. But then after studying it, it was really remarkable to think about these four women and then thinking about how these are four ways that we feel like we yeah. don't belong if uh, yeah. you know, failure and... and um, yeah, not, I thought that yeah. was a clever use of the genealogy. I didn't really think that that was something that was predetermined. I thought you were just... Eight, like It was like, oh, it's Advent. You know, what luck? And oh, I, thought that, I thought it was a good connection. 
yeah, usually the, the texts are picked, and then I just try to preach the text. So, um, but now I'm be preaching on peace. Uh, the the sign text was Luke two, where the angels say, "Glory to God in the highest," or "Gloria in excelsis Deo." If you want to do Latin, and on earth peace to whom his favor rests. And uh, well, first of all, the idea of peace. Biblically speaking, that word is very um, shalom, comes from a Hebrew word. If you look up like the Hebrew root, every Hebrew word has three as a three-letter word. That three three letters are the root of every Hebrew word, and so there's a lot of word plays in the Hebrew language. And shalom comes from the Hebrew root for wholeness and completeness. So usually, when you think about peace, uh, we usually think about the absence of war. Um, the absence of of conflict, but the biblical view of it is the of is wholeness is not just the absence of something, but the completeness of something. That things are the way they're supposed to be. It's all complete. Um, I but think we still use the word peace. Yeah, you yeah use peace, but I think don't you, don't you think when you think peace, don't you think okay, at least there's no conflict, right? Yeah. But uh, but actually, the word is wholeness. It means yeah. So like, it's the same word that's used when like a a wall was missing some bricks and the bricks were put back, or that when Job counted his sheep and he and the, the whole oh, the whole flock was there. That was it was at peace. So things that maybe you could also I I was thinking about even exploring this the idea of homeostasis, like your body when it's in homeostasis, it's always trying to get back to this peace this where everything is even keel and unified um but i think the the challenge is so the angels break forth from heaven and break into earth and they sing this song glory to god in the highest heaven you know glory to god who's exalted above everything and now on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests and it doesn't really feel like the world has experienced that kind of no. peace, and so what does that all mean? What is the what is the the actual meaning that, that the angels were, were pr- proclaiming? So th- th- those are things that are rolling around in my yeah. mind. Yeah, there's like the history of the church is certainly not peaceful. Correct. It's a history of people mm-hmm. who are also not peaceful. Um, and like uh, we talked about right before we hit record, Jesus said, I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. Yeah, to turn mother against father and father against mother and yeah, yeah son against father. and Yeah. So I think the angels were lying. <laughs> <laughs> well, hope. Yeah, that. I think it has, there's two things that I, I, I want to wanna figure out. One is... Is it a, we're waiting for the peace? Like this has started the process. So I, I was thinking of the comparison. You have the civil war that the North wins the civil war, abolishes slavery in the ni- ni- or 1865, but it's not till the 1960s, the civil rights movement where, and, and we're still fighting racism. It's not like it's over, but it was a hundred years later when you had the right to vote, when you had all these, uh, where, it, so 
the war was ended, but it it started a movement that really needed to be finished and still needs to be finished. And is that the kind of way that we should think about Jesus' peace? Like Jesus breaking into this world was the start of putting the world back together. But just like it took a hundred years for for that movement to 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 see really more results, it's taking thousands of years and ultimately Jesus' return for us to have complete wholeness. That was just the inauguration. That was just the beginning of peace on earth. Um, so that's one way to look at it. I don't know. What do you think about that? I have another idea. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't know because I mean there was. It doesn't seem like. It doesn't seem like we're moving in the dir- like if if what you say is true that it's like Jesus is starting this movement. It, it, I don't really see us making any progress. Okay. And the Bible's like the closer we get to the second coming of Christ, it's going to actually get more chaotic. Sure. So then that's confusing. So then the other way to look at it, especially the the tagline, peace to men or humans on whom his favor rests, the emphasis is on putting the relationship back between God and his people, that we now have a whole and complete, not just that there's we're not receiving the wrath of God because of our sin, but we also receive the favor of God the positive aspects of God being happy with us, uh, being okay with us, that favor is ours in Jesus Christ. And so that gives us a peace, not just an inner peace with ourselves, that we don't need to beat ourselves up because of guilt, but also a peace with our Heavenly Father. What do you think about that? Nope. You don't like that either? Well, they, they mean uh, in the Old Testament. So, um, um, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Abraham found favor. Sure. Know, King David found favor. Sure. So they they had a BC as well. Correct. But that wouldn't have been possible without God's plan. They were they were reaping benefits that were the only reason God would have favor on Noah or Abraham or any of or Moses was because of the plan of the Messiah yeah. to come. So I, I the, the favor, you know, and those were what all those sacrifices were. That, that's what the whole promise of the, the one who's going to come to crush the head of the devil was all about um, a coming savior. And so they were experiencing a peace that was, there was a down payment already yeah. put down. I feel like the angels just needed to fill like more syllables in the song <laughs> to make good parallel Hebrew parallelism well, in their song. Glory to God in the highest, and and then you need like a good bridge or like a chorus, you know, <laughs> so you add a couple extra words as filler. Okay, so the the peace on earth is a filler. It's a filler, yeah, because that's I mean that's what we do in all our church music. There's just a ton of filler, you know. Oh, you just kind of like repeat the same lines. That's awful. Well, it's not true, though. I mean, like peace on earth. In so you're relation, saying the angels were lying. I, I don't. I don't see it by our definition of peace. Like, if if you would say like the wholeness or like the promise of the Savior, that's from Genesis. That's not at the time of Jesus' birth. That's from the promise. Yeah. Because, like you know, I said, like Abraham believed God; it was credited to him as righteousness. So that was. Uh, I don't know, a thousand, two thousand years before that. 
and he's getting those benefits. Jesus says, I did not come to bring peace. Like right after Jesus is born, King Herod tries to have him killed and slaughters all the baby boys in the town. Right. There's no peace. So he's also I, born in a barn, which is probably extremely <laughs> noisy. So it's not even like peace and quiet. So I don't think the angels were lying. <laughs> just to just to refute you on that. I think Jesus said things. He, he, he was a great teacher, and so he said things that really got us thinking and challenging us. So when he said, I didn't come to bring peace, at least not the, what you were thinking, yeah. that his, you're going to have to pick a side. Right. And if you want to be on the side of Jesus, on the side of peace with God, that's going to put you at odds with maybe your own family members. Weird thing for the Prince of Peace to say, though. Right, exactly. But but there is no peace without God fighting against what's evil, without yeah. God destroying evil. And so if you're on the side of evil, uh, that's where the hostility is going to be. So there's going to be enmity between you and the woman, God says, to the, to the devil, and between your offspring and hers, and he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. The other way, there's a third way to really look at this. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace to whom his favor rests. Um, Jesus himself is embodying peace. And not that there, not that there is a complete, not that we've experienced the complete peace of reuniting heaven and earth, but in the person of Jesus, heaven has come to earth. And as the proximity you are to Jesus, the peace you will feel between you and God, between one another. Um, I think now with the work of the Holy Spirit, there are pockets of peace. Um, as we walk by the Spirit and live under his kingdom, uh, and then we wait for the day where he, he finishes the job and, and his, his peace fills the renewed world. So I think that's the other way, to, that Jesus himself is the embodiment of peace, and that's come into this world. Yeah, I think that definition, like a wholeness mm-hmm. or a, like becoming full or whatever again, that seems like it works better, and it's a, it's... It's a, a wholeness, like it's repaired, like the mm-hmm. relationship is repaired. God is among men again. Yeah. And that makes more sense than peace as in the absence of, of horrible, chaotic, whatever, sin. Right. Yeah, I mean, isn't that what we always wanted was God to dwell with us again, and in Jesus he is doing that? Yeah, do you think when we say peace, what we really mean is wholeness? Like... I think that's what the Hebrew authors meant. But like today, like no. there's like some that we we have a sense of some kind of homeostasis that we that we say if there was peace I would be able to remain at that comfortable thing. I don't think we can even picture complete wholeness. I think we just think there's no more fighting. Yeah, but and you I can, think but you can move in that direction is sure. what I mean. I think that's what's so wonderful about the scriptures is heaven 
or the world to come or what we're waiting for and what we're longing for is not just escape from pain. It's not just what it's not, but a resurrected world and resurrected bodies that we're, where everything is put back to the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. And I think we can't even picture that because even on our best days, when whatever you, you you're taking care of your health you're taking care of your family your your finances seem there there's still it still doesn't feel like complete wholeness there's still something it requires making... a lot of energy drinks to get there <laughs> yeah and just this world's tainted with sin i mean even on your best days there's going yeah. to be an ache for something that that's missing we just simply do not have the perspective to even know what complete peace would be yeah and so we just we have to sum it up in words that we understand. So we have miniature versions like world peace, like there's no one going to war or peace in the household. There's no one fighting, but it's all about avoiding conflict and not, you have really no um, sense of what completeness is. It's hard to imagine because we've been fed so many promises that once we get this technology, once we get... electric cars or once we get whatever you know this politician or this ruler or this form of government or this thing then we're going to finally have utopia and it's never worked out and so i think the best you can have is that peace that only jesus can bring as you enjoy proximity to him through the spirit and uh and you have a peace that's in your heart and hopefully a peace that that also uh, emanates from you and, and you have amongst other Christians that you experience pockets of peace. I think that's the best that we can offer. Yeah, relative peace. Relative peace, yeah. yeah. So I don't know. That's If you that, say the angels were lying on that stage, <laughs> I will give you 10 bucks. And I will destroy everyone's faith who believes <laughs> in what God says. It, it's a challenging text because um, it's a beautiful idea that we haven't actually experienced. So what we've all had, you know, I've had 40 Christmases. How old are you? 25. You've had fully tw- developed brain. Remember? That's right. That's right. Fully developed brain. You've had 25 Christmases. So we've heard this all before. Uh and I think the challenge is to understand it in a new way, in a fresh yeah. way, what it actually means that there's peace on earth. Uh, it's, it can't just be a warm, fuzzy feeling. Um, you know, so I, I have to work through that still. The good thing is, is that a lot of people on uh, there at, ch- at church on Christmas just don't come to church very often, so you can recycle a lot of the same old <laughs> ideas. <laughs> That was a you know, sassy thing to say. Yeah, well, the, it <laughs> you, you don't have to be too original, right? People are coming to hear this, the, that this is still true again, and they so you don't have to be that original. I just want to be accurate. Right, uh, and applicable. Yeah, applicable and accurate as to what peace on earth actually means. I was thinking, because we so every year we do Silent Night, yeah. everyone's favorite song. We say sleep in heavenly peace. Yeah. Is that that's just peace and quiet, right? Yeah. What is like? It's a like go to sleep, like a lullaby, basically. Right. right? Is is heaven quieter? Is that? Do you picture heaven quieter? Is there like a choir of angels? <laughs> Isn't there like a throne room with lions up yeah. there too? 
doesn't heavenly peace. Uh, maybe again, maybe it's that you're not afraid. Heavenly mm. peace, sleep in heavenly peace. You're able to sleep because you're not afraid of a of of danger, of conflict, of you know. Yeah. Not that not that Silent Night is divinely inspired, right? Course, but, I, but I think that's kind of the idea that. Uh, when you're at peace, you can rest. When you're you're not afraid of who's around the corner, you can rest. Oh, actually, though, so maybe this is kind of like what they say about courage. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not that there's there's no chaos going on. It's yeah. that you're not afraid of it. Yeah. And so the peace is for, the peace for us. Um, you know, here in this life is is more like a calm. And it's a it's a it's a bravery that you have because you have hope, and so you, you are at you can be at peace despite the fact that everything around you is not. Yeah, that's great. Maybe it also has to do how Paul puts it in in Romans. Is that Romans eight where he says it, or Romans five? Uh, if Romans eight, if God is for us, who can be against us? So you might have enemies, and there might be things things that aren't exactly right. But as far as your relationship with the almighty God, you're at peace. Yeah. And so whatever else you have to face, you already have the most important relationship covered. I mean, I think about that like, if you're mad at me, that's one thing. If my wife is mad at me, like if there's hostility at home, that's a that's a yeah. different thing. If if some blogger or some somebody on Facebook writes a comment about a sermon, okay. If my wife says, "What was that?" That's a whole different ballgame. <laughs> and I think um, if you can take that to the next level, if if God says, "I'm happy with you," "I love you," "I'm I accept you," "I'm not angry with you." that's a whole different level of peace that I have compared to if some unknown person says, oh, you're really great, you know? Yeah, right. And so when you have that, I think you can have courage or, you know, stand in the midst of the of the storm, whatever it is, and be at, have that homeostasis. Yeah. I still think that the, you know, the song of the angels is it's punctuating Jesus' birth, but it's not saying like now everything's completely different because Jesus is here because he was all, always going to be there anyway and the right. promise still held true. Right. Yeah, I guess that's what I'm trying to figure out. What? Why did they sing that song? Yeah. What did it mean? Is it just something we put on Christmas it's cards? Is filler. it filler? Right, and that that's the problem with sermon. You just stare at that verse over and yeah. over again, and you have to wrestle with it and think about it, and it and then you try it out, and it's like, oh no, that's that, it can't be that because that's yeah. not working out. It can't be that. So I, th- yeah. this this has been helpful to, for me to think about. Think it was it. it was lost in translation. It was supposed to say Reese's pieces. Jeez. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh my on goodness! On whom God's favor rests. If you told me that those were directly from God, I would believe that. Yeah, I would not. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I think peace on earth, how could that possibly be true? You, you know, I think some people can stomach peace in heaven. Like, yeah. I'll have peace when I die. 
or personal peace. Or a personal peace, but what is peace on earth? And why is it peace on earth to men on whom his favor rests? Bunch of liars, that's what it is. I think I think it has to do with this is the gospel. That God, you're at peace with God because of Jesus who has entered into our world. Peace yeah. has come down in Jesus, and now you're at peace with God. And so you can stand, like you said, stand in the midst of yeah. turmoil and chaos, knowing that your greatest relationship is taken care of. And and to bring it back to that whole pers- that whole perspective deficiency we have is you don't know how horrible life would be with literally no God. Like Correct. We, have, we don't have any frame of reference for that either. Right. The complete opposite of peace. Yeah. Yeah, there is there is conflict, there is challenges, but God's still holding it back as to what what it could be without him. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, that was really helpful, Matt. Thank you for writing my sermon for me. Of course. And uh, now I just need a catchy intro and we'll be off <laughs> off to the races. Uh, again, again, $10. It is in my wallet oh, right now. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that would be a worthy question to ask from the pulpit is, were they just lying? Is this just filler? <laughs> so there it is. He's flashing the flashing the who's on the ten dollar bill? Alexander Hamilton. Flashing the Hamilton. That's right. All about the Alexanders, baby. Um. All right. Enough on my topic. Tell me what's on your topic. Inclusivity, okay. worship. Yes, but first, I needed to get your opinion on this. Okay. So there's this song out there called Billie Eilish. It's not by Billie Eilish. Oh. It's by someone else. But anyway, someone told me about the song. I looked up Billie Eilish, whatever. She has a website. Yeah. Which I thought that's normal. Clicked, mm-hmm. clicked on the website, of course. There's a store and you can buy like her clothes. Okay. Or, or like her fragrance too. Like she has like a perfume. Okay. And my thought is, how does she have a perfume? Is this a perfume that smells like her? Because no one's buying a perfume that actually smells like a person. Or is it the perfume she uses? And if it's the perfume she uses, wouldn't I buy it from the person she bought it from instead of buying it from her? Because she would raise the price. Same thing with her shoes. It's like I can buy the shoes she wears, but where did she buy them from? She's just... Yeah, maybe she designed the fragrance. Maybe she tried... That's what they do. They no. they check out ones that they like, then they approve, then they put their name on it, and that's right. That's, but but uh, but it had to come from somewhere else. You want to cut out the middleman? Yeah, I'm saying like there's no way that she's not doubling the price on whatever this is. That's like the Michael Jordan shoes. I want to smell like Billie Eilish, but at Matt Harbach prices. Okay. Uh. Yeah, I, I can't help you out with that. So. <laughs> bothersome to me you 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 don't well that's how they sell that's that's basically any kind of sales right there buddy shoes like there's like shoes for like 175 bucks on the page and i'm like wait but these are just nike shoes like where did you buy them from because i'm gonna go to that store i'm not gonna go to your page that's that's the whole industry that's the jordans you you get a shoe that look they put a little symbol on the corner and uh I but gotta get into that racket somehow. Sell shoes. Kids are obsessed with shoes. Yeah. Do you do you think many people would wear shoes because you put them on? Do you think you have a following? Not yet. Okay. I'll get there. After you wrote that Christmas song, maybe you can oh, sell yeah. guitars. 
Oh, actually, no. So I was, I was, I want to buy a new guitar. I have a pretty like old. It it's fine, but yeah, it doesn't. It also doesn't have an electric pickup. It's so, like I couldn't plug it into like our sound system. Sure. And I was like looking. I'm like, man, like what makes a guitar sound good? And I'm like looking at all these. I'm like watching videos and stuff. Sure. I'm like these are like I can't really tell the difference, you know. And I only paid like forty bucks for my guitar. Sure. And I found, and then I, and then I remember watching a video. And I'm like, that guy who was doing that guitar song, he, his, his guitar sounded so cool. So I went and like scrolled through the comments. And they're like, oh, what kind of guitar do you have? And, he, and, and it's a Waterloo guitar. I don't know if you know anything about this. No, I didn't either. I was like, oh, Waterloo. Okay, I'm gonna look up that brand. They're like three thousand dollars. Oof. I was like, oh, come on. And that's why it sounds better. That's why you got to pay out the nose for a good guitar. Yeah, not a forty-dollar guitar. You no, know, these all sound the same, but they're like, eh, you know, yeah, whatever. Okay, actual topic. Okay. <laughs> um, so over a year ago, I I was talking to this guy that I just met. You know, I struck up a conversation with a guy. And um, eventually he asked me what I did. And I said, I work at a church. Um, he's an African-American guy. And um, he's like, oh, yeah, I should. I, yeah, I should like, you know, said something like, oh, I should maybe get back into going to church. Like yeah. that. And I said, oh, you should come by our church. Yeah. And he said, he's like, oh, yeah, I'm pretty anxious in social situations. Is your, is your church diverse? Mm-hmm. And I was like, eh. <laughs> and didn't really know what to say to that because it's like, yeah, not really. Um, and I was like, I, you know, I just said like, no, it's 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 not really that diverse. It's sure. mostly you know your suburban white folks. Um, and I I'm not gonna say that's like the reason that he said he wouldn't come. Yeah, but um, that just made me think like. We are kind of a bunch of suburban white people here, and we have a lot of suburban white people here. And are we, is there a way, should we be changing that up? Like, is that, or are we picking kind of a niche? Is, you know, what, what what's the, what's the deal there? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a big topic. I, uh, you wonder, first of all, what would that be like on the other side, right? To uh, I remember when I was in the Dominican Republic being the only white guy, mm-hmm. especially in the Haitian services or in the Haitian communities I was working in. And, and uh, you, you just, you don't blend in, you know, it's hard to, right. it's, it, there's, there's cultural right. baggage and, and, and all those things. So it is really important. I think that's just a value that, our generation and younger has that like if you're not diverse what how could how can't you be diverse now i think we're as diverse as franklin is in the greater franklin area sure, and sure. i and i so i think we're reaching our community and i'm really thankful that yeah uh our community is changing and getting people from all over the place um i also think This is not so much diversity, but I've heard this and I think it's true. Like who you platform also is who you're going to attract. So it's interesting that we do have diversity like on our music team and we do have younger people on our music team. And 
I've heard that if you, you know, not that you need to intentionally pick people just because of those things, you know, just that, that's people in our yeah. congregation have those talents and have those gifts. People say, oh, I see people up on stage that look like me or, or my age or my background or whatever. This church is for me. Um, so I, I do think that's one way to to do it. If you're uh, if we really are interested in being more diverse, I think we need more diversity in leadership, more diversity in uh, yeah. in in uh, in serving, more diversity in uh, in music, and and anyone that's up up in front because that that sends a message, uh, and just also then you also get a variety of opinions and uh, perspectives right. that you wouldn't know. Um, right. So, yeah, I think that would be the way to do it. I think. At some level, we're do we're, we're we're getting there, but I think that would be really good to 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 think yeah. about. Is it worth intentionalizing? I think so. Yeah, uh, we're praying about intentionalizing. Uh, if uh, I think just always asking to. Uh, I mean, one of the ways that I think is maybe different here than churches that I grew up is is there are more women who are you know Kelsey is our communications director and she's speaking every week in in announcements and so you it's not just a male perspective on on lots of things so that's one that's one area of diversity I guess from Mm -hmm. some some churches or but then, but then now age diversity, and then now race and culture, and it's not just black white, but now are Hispanic or, you know, there, we have quite a few uh, people from um, the Middle East that are moving into Franklin. At mm. also, you know, get in a whole other, and we had yeah. quite a few people. Uh, there was actually at, at Jingle Jams at, at our recent event, just talking with quite a few families that are from India that have been moved in the area recently. So, um, that's a whole other. Yeah. So it's not just a color of skin but cultural background and um i think that is what was so beautiful about the early christian church Mm -hmm. uh in the early christian church everything was about a power struggle uh and it was about race but it was also about class it was about um if you were a slave or free male or free female if you were greek or barbarian or Scythian and Paul's got that beautiful line in Galatians where he says you are neither male nor female Greek nor Jew slave nor free but all of you are one in Christ Um, and so that was that's such a radical thing that we all I think that's one of the wonderful things about Christianity Christianity is the only religion that doesn't have a a cultural tie to it necessarily. I mean, if you go back, there's there's Jewish roots, but Islam is more Middle East. Hinduism is mm-hmm. more um, India and uh, and Asia. And for the most part, religions are deeply connected. But you can have a Latin America expression of Christianity. Yeah. You can have a Western view of Christian expression of Christianity, Eastern expression of Christianity, African expression of Christianity, and and the the New Testament, especially, 
seems to be very intentional about not prescribing worship styles or uh, or practices. Yeah. You have a faith in Jesus, and this is a message that is supposed to reach the ends of the earth. And from every nation, tribe, language, and people yeah. are standing before the throne, John says, and worshiping Jesus. So, um, yeah, that is a value. Like, it's a... It, let's not try to make our community become like us look like us or 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 only reach people like us but it is it is supposed to be one that reflects the community that you're in and the people you're trying to reach now i i think yeah our franklin is just more of a uh i think you have a larger white population, Franklin. Sure. So I, I, it would be great to expand where we reach and w- who we're reaching, yeah. I think. So I don't know. But I also sympathize it with this gentleman you were talking to. I mean, I, I I could see why that would be a hindrance. Like it just, no one looks yeah. like me. No one's going to understand me or people are going to think of me differently. And, and that, that can be a real challenge. Well, that's the first time I came here. That was like culture shock. It was it was white people, but it was like scary, like band on stage, no robe, con- uh, uh, contemporary white people. So that was a culture shock for it was you. A culture shock, yeah. Because you grew up in a traditional yeah. church. You're saying, yeah. I was like, do I, do I clap? <laughs> what do I do? Am I supposed to sing? Because they're singing on the stage and they're good at singing. I didn't rehearse this. I don't know these songs. What am I sure. supposed to do? Yeah. Yeah. I. I think that that is also another thing that is a challenge, a, a beautiful but a challenge with Christianity. Like usually, when you join a club or a group, you all know everything about it, and you're joining the bike club because you love biking, and right. you 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 know all the insider stuff, and you might need to learn a little bit from it. But at the end of the day, you're going to get the bike shorts, and you're going to yeah, get the yeah. nice bike, and yeah. you're going to join that club because you know everything about it. Uh, Christianity, you believe in Jesus, and that's it. Yeah. And all of the other cultural, traditional, non-traditional baggage. Uh, is secondary and so that's been the the challenge of christianity is how you know what what are your non-negotiables what's the style that you're going to pick and if the person coming in doesn't understand that style how far do you go in teaching that style uh, so they feel comfortable yeah that those are all really challenging things and it's just so hard because it's like we want to change to attract more people the thing is, like, the way our church grows is when people are here for a while and they set down roots here and then right. they get involved and now they expect it to be a certain way. They don't want it to change. Right. And once you hit, like, a critical mass of a certain type of person, then it's like... You start catering. You are, yeah, and you're sort of um, passively alienating other people. Mm-hmm. Not Not that we're trying to exclude them, but it's like, again, like, it's that culture shock, like... Oh, over there, like there's a lot of dominant personalities, and they're all of a certain culture. So that's not me. I will feel out of place there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, that's that is the challenge. That as a the Great Commission 
also has to, I, I saw a church talk about this, the Great Commission and the Great Command go together. So the Great Commission is go out and make disciples of all nations, and the Great Command is love God and love your neighbor. And so you always, you're going to grow in your understanding of God and grow in how you love one another, but don't ever lose that zeal for the Great Commission. And they, they have to yeah. do both. Yeah. And and so sometimes we we grow in our understanding of God and the Bible and we get so focused on our understanding of God and how deep we go with God that anybody who's new won't, they don't understand. They, they don't know the stories. They don't know the Bible. And so it can, the, it can be alienating. So you always have to reinvent yourself and um, keep the visitor in mind. Yeah. yeah. So it is a challenge. I think that's another reason why uh, Christian churches need to keep on starting new Christian churches because you do get to a critical mass where you are going to have new people come into your church, but you are going to get a lot of the same kind of people. And that's why I think most churches, I've heard the statistic like, they will grow and reach the newest people or most diverse group of people in their first three years, more in their first three years, three to five years than any other time if they have a 10, unless you totally reinvent yourself, which is really hard. And so that can be a strategy that, all right, let's get to 200, start a new church. Let's get to 250 or 300 and start a new church because uh, we're going to have that energy to be flexible and reach new people in those yeah. first three to five years. Yeah. Huh. Those are all it's aggressive. I like it. <laughs> yeah, but then, but but then there's also blessings of like what we have here: the building, the digital studio, the the music team, the cafe, the whole structure of it all. So yeah. Um, yeah. So I think you can, obviously, I still think you can reach new people and be diverse as a bigger congregation. And, 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 uh, but it, you do, like you said, you have to check your biases. You have to, you have to keep reminding all of us insiders that it's not about us. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. And it's like, there's so many things you don't realize that you do, but I mean, that's the culture thing. Like, oh, we're all of the same color or we're all of the same background and we all just instinctively do things and it's not weird and we don't even realize it right you know right like um we're for example like we're very closed we don't touch each other a whole lot yeah you know and right other, other cultures i'm sure do right you know i was talking to a missionary a while back and he was a missionary in africa for i think 25 years and he said you know even after 25 years i was still I was still making blunders. I was still outsider, you know? And so don't, he was saying, don't despise the gift of understanding instinctively your culture. Like that, that is a beautiful thing. Like to reaching people from your own culture, understanding what pain points they have and the problems they they face and the, the challenges that they face. So that's not a bad thing. Um, and it's going to take a lot of self-awareness and cultural awareness to reach people from different backgrounds and just to be aware of how they're understanding you and, and how you might be unnecessarily offending them or excluding them or, you know, 
that's really a challenge. Missiology, the study of, of missions and, mm-hmm. and, and different cultures, is, is, is a huge body of work. And, and we just don't even know. I mean, even maybe here's a good example. Like I just I went on that trip to Ireland. And that culture in Ireland, even though we speak the same language, is different than our culture here and, yeah. and how they treat people and and how they look at visitors and and uh you know there's owner of a bar if you're would drive you home in his own car because the, the hospitality is so over the top and and caring for people and and we're so big on our personal privacy sure. and that's true in all the same in, in in like latin america the culture of mexico is very different than the culture of puerto rico but we don't even see that because we think oh yeah. they all speak spanish yeah it's all down there it's all there yeah and and, and so i think yeah, when it comes to the Christian church, it's going to be hard to really reach people that are very different than you without a lot of sensitivity and self-awareness and just love for people. Uh, but that goes a long way. You, it goes a long way that you care and you listen um, but you also sometimes need somebody from that host culture to say, Hey man, you can't do that anymore, yeah, yeah. Or, or you're really screwing that up, or or or, or you know, even them to to take over leadership roles because they'll be able to reach their own culture better than you can yeah. sometimes. So, yeah. So I don't know if that's kind of where you're going. That's that's a big. That yeah, could, you it, can go in that. It's that, a thick topic. It's a thick topic. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I think finally, just pray, pray that God would open up those doors that we would be. You know, Philip and the Ethiopian in the Bible, that he was able to reach uh, somebody from a very different culture uh, with the gospel, and and that gospel went back to uh, his own culture. So, and then uh, pray for humility and be open to correction when we screw it up, when we we say something culturally insensitive mm-hmm. or blunder that we probably already did in this conversation. Probably, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we miss Annie. We'll pray for Annie that she gets better. And and, uh, we'll all celebrate Christmas together. So have a Merry Christmas, everybody. Yep. Tune in next week when Annie teaches us how to actually climb a sycamore tree. (laughs) Or not. If you'd like to get a hold of us here at the Climbing Sycamores podcast, feel free to email bsadler at victoryofthelamb.com. B-S-A-D-L-E-R at victoryofthelamb.com. If you like today's intro music, it's been brought to you by Andrew Lynch's song, My Name, Hello.